Thank you. What a beautiful song. So excited to see you coming out here today to celebrate the Lord's resurrection. It's a great day, isn't it? <laughs> Truly is. You know what I ask you? Have you ever set your hope on something and it and it just didn't just didn't work out? I mean, you really had your heart set on something you thought maybe it was a relationship you really thought that person was the one. Maybe it was a job you thought that was your career for the rest of your life. Maybe you thought you'd found the ideal investment was going to be your retirement. But it, things just didn't pan out, and in the end, you just ultimately got disappointed. All that effort or all that money, all that time, just turned out to be in vain. <clears throat> a few years ago, uh, several guys that I went to seminary with went into the military and became chaplains. And so I got a friend in the Pentagon, and I got a, another good friend who's in the Air Force. And, and so my Air Force friend kept talking to me about this great ministry that he had going and uh, he was pastoring full-time, but the Air Force had this program where it's the only branch in the military that does this, where you can be a reservist and serve active-duty troops. And so basically four weeks a year, pastor goes, relieves the chaplain, lets him go on vacation, lets him go to training, whatever he needs to do. And so my friend had been doing this for years, and so he had, he had uh, he told me all about this program, and he, he was trying his best to recruit me, and he was doing a really good job of convincing me this is something I wanted to do. And so I began to pray about this, began to work on this, and so there are all these different things, you know, and one of the things in the, in the military, they don't really like fat people, so uh, they're real biased toward that. So anyway, <clears throat> he told me I had to lose about 80 pounds if I wanted to, to meet the standard. So I decided this is something that I just really, really wanted to do, so, so I did. Over, uh, it took me two years, and I went from, I was about 290, which is what I am now, when I, when I started getting ready for the Air Force, and the weight limit was 213 for, for my height. And so anyway, deacon at my church took me to, to the gym at lunch every day. I was running at night. I did all kinds of crazy stuff like juice fasting and, and everything because I know some of you guys can like, you know, cut out, cut back to one Coke a day and lose 50 pounds, but that's just not me. I, I've got the metabolism of a dead woman. And so uh, just trying to lose weight is hard. So if you've ever struggled with losing weight, uh, you just come, come see me. We'll cry together and talk about it. And, but anyway, I was just determined that I was, was going to do this. So I did everything that I needed to to, to lose all this weight. And so the, they kept, I was running out. I was about to age out. So you have to, you have to go in before you're 40. And so uh, they kept trying to schedule my physical. And I said, I, I have not, I've not met the weight limit yet. I can't have my physical. And so finally, uh, the colonel said, this is the last date that you can do your physical and get in. So we're going to go ahead and schedule you. So I had like a date I had to meet. And so I kept working and working and working. And Anyway, I, I just got to these plateaus. Didn't matter what I did. Didn't matter how much I starved or how much I ran. I just couldn't lose any more weight. And so finally, the night before my physical, I weighed 219 pounds. And the, the, the limit is 213 now. And so I thought, well... I mean, there's nothing else to do. I can't reschedule it. I mean, there's just nothing else to do. And so I, so I prayed, I prayed about it, and I prayed earnestly. And I said, Lord, I don't know if this is your will for me or not, because I had a bunch of other problems that I thought might keep me out. And I said, Lord, I don't really know if this is your will for me or not, but I said, I just asked it. Help me, help me meet this weight goal, so at least I'll know. If I don't get in, I can, I can accept that it's not your will for me. But I just don't want to not get in because I thought I just couldn't, couldn't lose the weight. So anyway, uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced a miracle or not, but I got up the next morning at 4 a.m., got ready to go. I just prayed that prayer about 10 p.m. the night before. 4 a.m. the next morning, I got up, I got on the scales, and it said 212. And I thought, I got on these things. What, what is that thing touching? 
So I scooted them around, got on them again, 212. And I thought, man, the scales are broken. So I went to the, I went to the Air Force, uh, not the Air Force, but the military entry processing system. Anyway, got on their scales, 212. I got home that night, by the way, and I weighed 219 again. But anyway, that one, that's a true story. I'm not exaggerating for a fact. That's a true story. One time, one time in my adult life, I got down to that weight, and it's for that, for that weigh-in. I was right back up. But God, God gave me that. But you know, I, I had all these problems, and the recruiter basically told me to lie about them. That's what the recruiters will do. Uh, the recruiter said, well, you know, if it's not been documented, you don't have it. So don't say anything about it. And so I really struggled with that because I really wanted to do this. But anyway, I, I sat there with the doctor, and I told him every problem that I had. And everything that I thought might keep me out, my feet, I got some pretty severe uh, defect in my feet and things. And uh, they cleared me of everything. And, and, and finally, my feet was like the last thing. And the doctor wasn't going to clear me, but they brought in the chief resident. And she said, yeah, I saw him do the duck walk, which is this exercise you have to do. She said he struggled with it, but he did it. So she said, I'm going to clear him and let him go. And when she said that, I thought, I'm in. I'm just a few weeks away from being Captain Maples. I'm just, I'm almost, I'm in. I'm in. And so uh, I was going to go in as a captain because of my education and everything. But anyway, I thought, this is it. And then the lady looks at me, this lady doctor, she says, why didn't you tell us about your varicose veins? I said, that, that, that wasn't on the form. You didn't ask. You know, I filled out paperwork, paperwork, paperwork. And she says, right here it says other. I said, I didn't know that was an other thing. I just had these things all of my life. And she says, do you know that that's disqualifying you can't you can't serve in the United States military if you have varicose veins I said no I didn't know that so I went back and left there just really feeling kind of crushed and I talked to the colonel and he says don't worry Kevin there's a shortage we got to have you we're going to get you a waiver I said okay well that sounds pretty good then several weeks later I they sent me to all these different doctors do all these different tests had to go to vein surgeon all, all these different people and so finally finally he called and he said Kevin we sent this to three different doctors at the Pentagon, and the last one said, there's absolutely no way he's getting a waiver. Don't send it back again. So anyway, so there's a lot more to that story, but the details, I, I worked really, really hard, made tremendous sacrifice, and it was just, it was all in vain. It was just all in vain. Nothing, nothing came out of it. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, whether you poured yourself into something or some person or something and, and nothing worked out, nothing, nothing came out of it. It was just all in vain. You know, some people think that the Christian life is just in vain. And Paul dealt with that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And you know what he said? He said our faith is not in vain because Christ has been raised from the dead. And because he has been raised from the dead, we know for certain that he has the power to raise us from the dead. And that's why we know that our labor, as we work for him, is not in vain. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to be in, in the entire chapter this morning, but because it's so long, we're just going to read some selected verses to open up here this morning. So I want to ask you, would you join me in standing as we read God's word together? We're going to begin in verses 1 and 2. Here's what Paul says. He says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, listen to this, unless you believed in vain. <clears throat> well, how would they have believed in vain? Well, listen to verse 14. 
And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Skip down to verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Look at verse 35 with me. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Verse 40. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. Verse 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. And then look at verses 50 through 55 with me. He said, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Verse 58, listen to what we should be doing because of this. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that every sacrifice that we've made, every act of service, every offering of praise, the Lord, none of it was in vain. But Father, we have a hope that is surer than our existence. We have a hope that Christ will one day return for us. He'll resurrect our body and we'll live eternally with him. And what I pray today, if there's anybody that doesn't understand what this means, I pray that before the end of this message that they'll come to see what it means that Christ died for us and was raised for us. Father, help us to be obedient. And may we glorify you in how we live our lives. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of the reasons that Paul was writing to the church at Corinth is because the church at Corinth just didn't understand a lot of things. They were, they were new believers, and there were many things that they just were doing that was wrong, things that they believed that were wrong. And so Paul is kind of dealing with one issue after another. And so when he comes to the resurrection, he's trying to help them understand what it means for them that Christ has been raised from the dead. Some of them didn't believe that there was going to be a resurrection. They believed that when you die, you just cease to exist. And many people believe this today. But Jesus was raised from the dead. And the reason that Jesus was raised from the dead is so that you and I could be raised from the dead. You see, Jesus died for you, but the question that we all need to ask is, are we, are we living for him? Notice that this whole chapter, as Paul talks about the resurrection, he ends with, therefore, and he gives us a list of what we need to be doing, the, the work that we need to be doing to follow and to serve Christ, and he says that none of it is in vain. You see, once we receive the gospel, we must stand firm in it as God saves us. Notice verses 1 and 2 that we read. This passage talks about the progression that we go through in our life. It says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. And gospel literally means good news. The good news is that Jesus died for our sins and he rose from 
the dead, and we can be saved through faith in him. So he says, of the gospel I preach to you. Now notice what you received. That's past tense. There's a time in their life that they received it. And there needs to be a time in your life when you receive it. That is, you come to believe it and accept it and you put your trust in Christ. So you receive him as Savior and Lord. And then he says, in which you stand. Notice that that is a present tense. There's a past in our life for those of us that are believers when we receive the gospel and now we stand in the gospel. Standing in the gospel means that we are staying firm and persistent and steadfast. We are not wavering. We're not flirting with other religions or other ideas. We're not depending upon ourselves, but we are standing in the gospel and we are waiting for the return of Christ. Notice verse 2, he says, by which you are being saved. You notice that's, a, that's an ongoing God is in the work of, of saving us. Not in the sense that we were saved when we first received, but in the sense that he is still doing something inside of us and transforming us and getting us ready for the return of Christ. You see, the good news is that Christ died for our sins and was raised from the dead. So notice what he says in verse 3. For I deliver to you as a first importance. As a first importance. That means there is nothing more important in this life than this message that Christ died for us. I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Notice that phrase, in accordance with the scriptures. It says that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. And there it is again, in accordance with the scriptures. Do you know why it emphasizes that Jesus died and was raised in accordance with the scriptures? Because Jesus' death was no accident. It was God's plan to bring about our redemption. And so that we might know it and believe it, he revealed it to us ahead of time in the scriptures. And so Jesus Christ died for our sins and was raised so that you and I could have life. And this is the good news that we receive and that we stand in and that we wait. You know, when I think about uh, all the things I did to get in the Air Force. I mean, there was awful, I mean, I learned some things, but, but, but there was so much of it was just a waste and it was an absolute waste of time. <clears throat> and I don't know if you've ever participating in, in a ministry or, or, or you've, you've, uh, maybe you've heard some sermons you thought was a waste of time. Or, uh, I, I don't know, but I can tell you that following Christ is not, is not a waste of time. He, he, is, he is risen from the dead, and that's why our faith is not in vain. It's not in vain. It's not a waste. So the question is not, are you wasting your time with Jesus? The question is, is Jesus wasting his time with you? Notice what Paul says as he talks about the grace of God. He says in verse 6, Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And so Paul is going to list all these people that Jesus appeared to, and what he's doing is he's offering them evidence for the resurrection. And he says, uh, some of whom are still alive. So at the time that he wrote to the Corinthians, they could actually go talk to people <clears throat> who had personally seen the risen Lord, and hear eyewitness testimony. You say, well, you know, Pastor, we don't, we don't really have that same luxury today. We don't have that evidence. But no, but we have the writings of men who went to their death and were tortured, bearing testimony that they saw the risen Lord. And then Paul says, and then finally he appeared to me. Notice verse 8. Last of all, it's one untimely born. He appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles. 
unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now listen to this. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Well, why would Paul say that, that God's grace toward him was not in vain? How could God's grace be toward somebody? How could that be in vain? Or vain means you know, empty, useless, worthless. How could it be that God giving his grace upon somebody is in vain? Well, listen to what Paul says. He says, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Talking about the other apostles. Paul says his grace was, not toward, was toward me was not in vain, but on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. So what Paul is pointing out here and at the end of the chapter is that once we've received the gospel, once we've received the grace of God upon us, there's work to be done. And so Paul says, is our faith in vain? No, our faith is not in vain because Christ has been raised. That's how we know that he has the power to raise us because he has come back from the dead himself. And so our faith is not in vain. But we want to examine ourselves and be careful that his grace toward us is not in vain. Because he has something for us to do. There is a work to be done. Well, what is this work that we're supposed to be doing? Well, there are many things that God calls us to in the Christian life, but I think of uh, three areas or directions that we might think about this morning. First of all, this work is uh, I work on myself. This is, the, this is the work of holiness, being transformed to the image of his son. First Peter verse, chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, listen to what, what he says. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You see, God is calling us to abandon the passions of your former ignorance, that's what he says. Time when you didn't know better and you didn't know what God was really calling you to do. We're to abandon those things and instead live a holy life that is a life of moral purity in a life set apart for serving God. You see, when we think about the resurrection, what, what does it mean for us? Well, it means that God is calling us to a new life. And so Paul said, his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. And so when we think about the work that God is calling us to, part of it is this inward transformation where I no longer do just whatever I want to do or whatever looks good or feels good, but instead, I'm trying to live a life of holiness holiness so part of this work is I I work on myself part of this work is I work to serve others this is the work of, of evangelism trying to help others come to faith in Christ <clears throat> it's the work of, of discipleship trying to help other believers to, to grow in their faith it's the work of benevolence that is Providing for those who can't provide for themselves. I give you one example. James chapter 1 verse 27. Listen to what he says. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And to keep oneself unstained from the world. Paul said, and his grace toward me was not 
in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. So I work on myself. I work to serve others. But part of this work is also I work to serve the Lord. As in worship. Psalm 34, 1. Listen to what David said. He said, I, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord. Well, we love to hear about being blessed by God. But God is calling us to bless him as well. To bless him with our praise, to bless him with our adoration, to bless him with our life. Now, I know that some of you came today because it's Easter. And I just want you to understand, if you came today because it's Easter, you don't understand Easter. Jesus Christ did not come and die and raise from the dead so that you and I could, could once a year gather and give lip service to him. He came to totally radically transform our lives to make us into completely different people and he has a work that he's calling us to do there's an inward work as we change ourselves there's an outward work as we serve others and there's an upward work as we praise and worship God and after God has sent his son to live a perfect life to die in our place and to conquer death being raised so that we and I might have the hope of the resurrection what a small thing it is that he asks of us. A few years ago, I was up in Pigeon Forge, and I, was, I went in a boot store, and this guy just comes up and starts talking to me. And I don't know if you've ever had a stranger just come up and start talking. It's kind of weird. And so this guy comes up, and he just starts talking away. And I was trying to be polite, and, but I didn't know who he was or what he wanted. And finally he says, you don't know who I am, do you? I said, no, buddy, I, don't, I just don't have a clue. And he told me his name. It's the guy I went to high school with. And the reason I didn't know him is because the guy I went to high school with was real chubby, had long, greasy hair and a mustache, and he dressed in black golf all the time. And this guy that was standing in front of me was as slim and trim and fit and as clean cut as anybody I've ever seen. And even when he told me his name, I was struggling to see the resemblance in his face between the old person that I knew. I said, man, I, you look great. I can't believe it. I said, what have you been doing? He said, oh, I lost all this weight. And I, I said, it's unbelievable how good you look. He said, nothing like the former person. You know, that's what God wants to do in your life. He doesn't want to change your physical appearance, but he wants to change your soul. He wants to change you so that people that knew the old you struggle to even recognize the new you. As we become like Jesus Christ. This is part of the work. Paul says that his grace toward me was not in vain. It was not wasted on me, but instead Paul worked. You see, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead so that we could be raised from the dead. Our hope is not just for a better life now, but our hope is for eternal life, the hope of resurrection. Look at verses 12 through 19. Paul says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, but we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins." Those also 
who have fallen asleep have perished. Now listen to what he says in verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Friend, our hope is in the future life. The reason that Jesus Christ was resurrected was so that you and I could be resurrected. And we look forward to the return of Christ when we will be resurrected. Notice verse 20 what he says. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And listen to how he describes him. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. There was a feast of first fruits that was celebrated throughout the Old Testament. And what this feast was is when, uh, when, when the grain and different crops began to, to, to start to, to produce, people would celebrate that, that first fruit. And what they were celebrating was is that first fruit symbolized the harvest that was to come. And Paul says that in the same way, Jesus being raised from the dead, the fact that he was raised from the dead, he is the first fruits. That is, he is just the beginning of what is about to come as he resurrects all of us. You see, those of us who have been saved by faith will one day have and will be given a glorious spiritual body. That's what the Bible describes here in verses 42 through 44. He says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown perishable what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So the Bible tells us that one day Christ is going to resurrect us. And when he does, we're going to receive a, a, a glorious body. He says he describes it as a, as a spiritual body. And we know that the Bible says that, that in heaven there'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more sickness. But the old things have passed away. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to this glorious body that Paul describes. The body that no longer has a sinful nature. The body that no longer struggles to put to death the old self, but the body that's completely freed to worship and serve God absolutely unhindered. We'll have a glorious spiritual body. And Paul tells us that the resurrection will take place at the return of Christ. Listen to what he says in verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, you and I have a lot to look forward to, a lot. As I think about uh, our congregation, and um, one of our members passed away yesterday, and he, 
Anita Mercer. And um, uh, we're, 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 when, when I look out across our, our congregation, I just see our age. I mean, this reality is that some of us will not be here next year. And uh, it's, it's just a constant thing. And, and maybe you're, you're a, you know, if you're in your 90s, you're in your late 80s, I mean, the, the reality is, is that statistically, I mean, you've got maybe 10 years at best. But friends, if you've been saved, you don't have anything to fear. You don't have anything to dread. You have nothing to fear and everything to look forward to. If, 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 you, if you outlive me and you hear that I've died, friend, don't mourn for me. When you hear that I've died, you'll know that I have finished a race. I have received the crown. This crown of righteousness is not just laid up for me, but for everyone who has loved his appearing. This is what we have to look forward to, that, that one day when we die, the soul separates from the body. For to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. But someday Christ is going to return in his second coming. And when he does, he's going to resurrect the body. And soul and body will be reunited in a glorious fashion. And the Bible doesn't give us an awful lot of details other than we will be like he was in his resurrection body. And so we have this hope. And because we have this hope, you and I should persist, and we should work, we should labor. Paul closes with this in verse 58. He says, therefore, that word therefore means that because of everything that he's just talked about, the resurrection of Christ, our hope of future resurrection, the second coming, what's going to take place, all these things, because of all these, therefore, here's what you and I ought to do. He says, my brothers, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. There's a lot of things in life that, that you may have your hope in that just won't pan out. <clears throat> it may be a person, it may be a job, it may be an investment, it may be a career. But I want you to understand, when you invest your life in following Christ, your labor is not in vain. Because Christ has been raised, you and I have the hope of being raised. And so when we think about all that we've done in the Christian church, and all that we've done to serve, and all we've done to build up the Lord's kingdom, friend, absolutely none of it, none of it was a waste. In fact, we need to be like Paul, who said, your grace on me was not in vain, but on the contrary, I worked harder than any of the rest of them. Because Christ has died for us, we need to live for him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the hope that we have in the resurrection because of Christ. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to be distracted with worldly things. Help us not to be consumed with things that, that ultimately don't matter. But Father, may we be busy serving, knowing that our labor is not in vain. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You know that Paul opened that, that chapter in Corinthians talking about that they had received the gospel. 
You see, for everybody, there comes a time in our life when we must decide whether we're going to continue to trust in ourselves, or whether we're going to trust in something else, or whether we're going to receive the gospel. The gospel is this, that Christ came, he lived a perfect life, and he died for you. The Bible literally says in this passage we just read that he died for our sin. You see, our sin is the reason it was necessary for Christ to die. Because as much as we may want to try to do good things to counteract the bad things that we do, the Bible says there's nothing that we can do to pay for our sins or to cover them up. But the good news is, is that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid for our sins. And he not only died for our sins, but he rose from the dead so that you and I might have the hope of resurrection. So I want to ask you today, if you've never received this, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This means that if you were to call upon God right now in this service, that he would save you. See, the hope that we've been talking about, it's available to everyone, but not everyone will receive it. You must decide whether you'll believe and receive this hope or not. For those of us that are believers, God has much for us to do. He has much transformation and work to do within us. He has service for us to give to those around us. And there's a life of worship that he's calling us to as we focus on spending time and fellowship with him. So I'd ask you today, would you just examine your heart? Just ask yourself an honest question. Is God's grace toward you, has it been in vain? Or is he receiving from you a life of work and service and sacrifice? Friend, whatever you need to do, let's do it now as we sing. I'll be at the front if you need help making a decision. You come if you need to.